Hey, Margo and Stephen here, your hosts of MQOA Sunday. Today, we have something a little bit different for you, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, we have a, last month, we interviewed with um, a priest from Salem, New Hampshire, about generosity in our church. And uh, so we had a nice little inv- interview here at the kitchen table with myself and Margo and Father Murray. That's right, Father Mark Montmany, who's famous for building up the church and making change happen and, mm-hmm. and growing churches. So we learned a lot just yeah. in conversation from him mm-hmm. and came away very inspired, so we think you will too. So sit tight, enjoy, and we'll see you back here. Yeah, next week with our normal schedule. That's right. Welcome. Our usual viewers, this is something a little bit different. You may be expecting an MQOA Sunday, but you know what? The gospel this week, we don't want to talk about it. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) It is a tough one, but where we usually do talk about our Sunday gospel, today we have a special guest, Father Mark Montmany, who already looks very excited to be here. Thank you. (laughs) And we have, we've, we're, have Mark here, Father Mark here for the day. He's speaking at all of our Sunday masses. And so we dragged him into the studio this morning to squeeze every bit of energy and inspiration we can out of you during your time here. Also with us, Father Bob Murray, our pastor, who you'll maybe know as FM. We're getting that out there. You're FM. Your nickname. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And on the other end of the table, there's Stephen Antonio. He's our tech guy. Mm-hmm. Good morning, Looking Steven. bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Mm-hmm. And I'll be your host for this conversation. I'm Margo Morin, your pastoral associate. Thanks for joining us here today. Uh, Father Mark, we like to ask our guests, and I think this is a great guest for you, a question for you, which is, who are you and how did you get in here? <laughs> Just tell us what you're doing uh, in, in our Salem okay. today. Yes, I'm Father Mark. My last name is Montmany. I'm originally from northern New Hampshire. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm, I've got a call, so please bear with me. Um, I studied at St. John's Seminary for okay. eight years. You I was a last that? class at Cardinal O'Connell, then, which was a minor seminary at the time. I was ordained in 77. <coughs> Got very involved with Charismatic Renewal in Curcio oh. during my seminary days which really had a huge impact on my life. How did you get into that? Well, believe it or not, I was at a, one night I was working switchboard at the seminary and this young couple came in, was around Christmas time, looking for a prayer meeting. And they said, where is the Seneca Retreat House? Oh. And asked, after I told them where it was, I said, well, why don't you come and join us? So I said, well, what do you do there? And they told me about this prayer meeting, which I'd never heard of. But to me, that sounded very Protestant. <laughs> Nonetheless, the next week I went, and I was there for the next seven years, every Thursday night. Oh, wow. That's where I met Tom DiLorenzo. Oh, okay. Uh, he was a layman at the time who was leading the prayer group, prayer meetings. There'd be six, 700 people there on, a, wow. on these evenings. So then when I was ordained, I continued going to the Christian Formation Center in 
Andover, Mass. So they have another huge prayer meeting. Oh, okay. In the meantime, I was invited to make a cursio. So once I was ordained, I was in a parish in Salem, New Hampshire, where I'm currently serving for five years. And when I left there, the bishop asked me if I would take over Cursillo and Charismatic Renewal in our diocese. And I formed what we called Spiritual Renewal Services, which really became the new evangelization. So that's how I get involved in all of this stuff. It was through Bishop Gendron who called me up and said, can you take over Curcio Charismatic Renewal? That's always how it happens, yeah. right? Someone the calls Holy you. Spirit, yeah. yeah. And, uh, right, someone, the Spirit moves someone, right. and then it Invitation. Happens. See, that couple invited me to a prayer meeting. That's right, yeah. And I accepted, and that was the beginning. Yeah, the beginning. And look at you now, yeah. right? Big time. Yeah. <laughs> But you're here today, so I kind of got you off on a side point, but you're here today to kind of kick off our ministry year, right? To get us revved up and revved. That's a priest joke. Okay. Uh, To get us excited for this ministry year ahead, uh, you told us a little bit about um, your ministry, but also about just how the church has changed since you were a kid. Can you tell us, just give us a little quick version of that? I think when we grew up, we just produced a lot of Catholics because of the demographics, mm. because of the culture we were living in. People brought their kids to be baptized. They came from very strong Catholic cultural families. So you never had to, ha- had to ask people if the godparents were Catholic or not. Oh, you wow. just assume they all were. Yeah. And I think we just had these huge Catholic schools that Again, produced a lot of, I say, cultural Catholics, very good Catholics. I don't want to underestimate what happened. But I think it was a different type of culture and climate. In the last 50, 60 years, we've seen that totally transformed, as I mentioned, because of the sexual revolution, Vietnam, the various doctrines and philosophies that have taken over in the Western culture certainly have um, prevented Catholicism from flowing the way it did 40, 50 years ago. We've become very Mm anti-Christian in our culture, even though we still claim to be basically Christian. We still use God and God we trust, etc. But really, we don't trust in God. We trust in the almighty dollar. And I think through politics and, as I said, various philosophies, things certainly have been drastically transformed. Sure. I think we can all account yeah. for that, right? Father Murray, you can too, I bet. Mm-hmm. Things have changed a bit since the... Since 1988 when I was ordained, absolutely. Yeah. Things changed But I remember too, you saying, telling a story about someone asking you what your... Oh yes, right. Yeah, that happened that I was asked uh, what nationality was I and I said, I'm Catholic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> everybody in my neighborhood was Catholic. Right. Yeah. I remember they laughed at me, and uh, my parents said, "No, no, your your heritage is Irish Catholic, and uh, so and you're, you're American, Catholic. but but your heritage is Irish Catholicism." So. Ah, I love that. Yeah, yeah, that's I I can't imagine someone saying that now as their first answer. Yeah, and what's no. your what's your heritage? Yeah. Things have changed, and you mentioned too in your homily about CCD. I know when I even when I first started in ministry 26 years ago, uh, I was a religious ed director, a youth minister. And uh, what happened at CCD was 
was sort of in concert with what was happening at home, mm-hmm. even just then. Kids were coming from Catholic homes mm-hmm. to get a little bit more sort of a formal mm-hmm. kind of education and what they were already living, right? And I remember over the years, I would give a talk and say, well, you know, how Catholic is your home? Do you have crosses? And you're, you know, I'd talk about my husband's aunt who you'd walk into their house and there'd be prayer cards, little funeral cards from everyone she'd ever known and old palms everywhere. And you could walk into a person's house and know they were Catholic. And just a couple of years ago, I, I mentioned that in a talk and someone said, oh, that would be, I guess, my great grandmother. And it's, it's just generations where you 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 miss that, right? Mm-hmm. Where that's gone from just mm-hmm. what's happening at home. So we, like you said, we can't go on with things the way they've gone. We can't be doing CCD, assuming they know mm-hmm. already a vocabulary for that. Have you seen changes just in how families are are growing and, and coming into the faith? In my many years of ministry, I was at St. Marie's in Manchester, New Hampshire for 26 years and then Exeter for 11 before returning to Salem. What we really did is drastically change the whole religious ed program, mm-hmm. making it a family-based program, inviting people to come to Mass on Sundays or Saturday nights and then to have dinner with us, lunch, and then go through the family formation program. Everybody being involved, dad, mom, mm-hmm. brothers, sisters, and that's worked again to some extent. I think it's because my basic thing is how do we re-educate people who have had no catechesis? Mm-hmm. I think the last two generations of Catholics have had very little or no catechesis whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Which is sort of the Catholic word for just learning, for right. education, yeah. So how do you even teach them the basics of coming to church? Genuflection. Mm-hmm. What's that red candle by the tabernacle for what is a tabernacle who's in the tabernacle right all those very basic things so what we've tried to do is become very very basic in our family formation program and what i've done since i get into exeter i mean excuse me salem this last year is i just told all the parents who are having children will be making their first reconciliation this year that I'm expecting the family to come to confession. Mm-hmm. When they're ready, they will call me and I will make an appointment for the entire family to come to reconciliation. Because I said, what we're telling young people today who are going through reconciliation is that confession is just for kids. Mm-hmm. So as we know in the last hundred years or so, we've had these penance services for little kids Parents come, the grandparents come, they take pictures, kids go to confession, (laughs) everybody goes downstairs, gets cake, and it's it. I mean, it's it's not a kid thing, it's an adult thing. So it's all those types of things that I'm trying to look at Mm -hmm. and bring about a different uh, paradigm because if something doesn't work in any corporation, after two, three years, you you just shelf it. Yeah. But we've been doing the wrong thing for a hundred years and nobody seems to yeah. think it's not going well. Anyway. Yeah. Well, Father Murray, too, you have a, a different kind of vision for the parish yes. than what people may be finding in other parishes or in their 
right, recent correct. history. Yeah, I think it's close to what Father Mark is saying. You know, I think that um, to try to think about things from a family family um, <clears throat> point of view that bring everybody into the faith, but starting too, uh, starting with the adults and letting yeah. the adults be the catechist for their children or be the formators for their children. And so we, uh, Stephen's uh, work to reach out to families and young people and to bring them into the um, into the catechesis or religious education for for the sacraments particularly, but and, and to do it with this way, that the adults would learn what, what it is, that the parents would learn what it is they need to teach their children and then teach them. And then, again, like you said, call us when you're ready. And we don't... We don't necessarily plan on, you know, two weeks after Easter next year to have First Communion. It's right. kind of mm-hmm. a rolling mm. First Communion, yeah, so. Because which the piece, is very different. Yeah, yeah, I think the piece that we're trying to reclaim is that personal relationship mm-hmm. with right. Jesus. Stephen is our uh, millennial mm-hmm. uh, representative, and he reminds us all the time that people who are having kids now um, need to have their heart connected right. with something they don't yeah. just sort of roll up and mm-hmm. do yeah. the checklist and and because they don't they need to care they don't trust the system yeah right. we've been broken so many right. times by a system in the church in the government or something so um but we have i think a lot of empathy for people so we need we need that heart that connects that personal relationship with Christ first f- before we even care or can trust and trust is huge with any relationship. So yeah, that's definitely the personal connection. This comes first. Yeah. What I'm doing in the next, in this coming month, I'm having a wine and cheese for all the parents who are involved in that family formation program. Nice. Mm. So the rectory one night. And again, it's just my way to connect because what I tell them when I meet with them is, you guys are calling me father, and they're very polite about it. Mm-hmm. But if you call me father, let's not be fake about it. I want to be your father. Oh, that's but nice. I can't be your father if I don't know you. Right. Yeah. So, again, I know that we're not going to be on intimate terms, but at least if we can get together. It would be a very expensive Christmas for you. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but at least if we can get together, have wine and cheese talk, and at least get to know each other better, it can... Because what is it that attracts a lot of these adults to these games? All these because sports, as we know, is taken over Sunday. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, the parents are, they're not watching the game, but they're meeting together. Right. right. So there's a oh, sense yeah. of community. Mm-hmm. How right. do we form that in church? See, mm-hmm. that's where I think we don't do things well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. what I'm tr- looking at now that I just arrived in Salem. I was able to do that in my previous assignments again. Not to perfection, trust me. Uh, it's messy. But at least if you can begin to do those types of things, mm-hmm. people get can get to know each other. Mm-hmm. Then they're more apt to want to come to church because so-and-so is there with their kids and they've met before and mm-hmm. there's some type of community and continuity going on. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I'm not a millennial, but I... I think I probably connect with millennials in this way. I, I would I would rather belong to a messy church. Mm-hmm. I'd really rather mm-hmm. belong to a church that's trying and learning from the mistakes they're making right. and really just doubling down on personal relationships and community mm-hmm. building and um, and investing in my heart, mm-hmm. investing in my relationship with Jesus. So. I, congratulations on doing that hard work. I know it's not easy. No, it's it's a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Takes some energy, yep. for sure. The other thing we're talking about, particularly this weekend, but also this year, is funding. 
uh, we've noticed that the way we've done offertory collections, the way we funded the church's work uh, is also failing, right? Mm -hmm. Even just on the millennial level, they don't Mm -hmm. even bring cash to mass. So to, to fund our whole offertory, our whole budget through the offertory, not only is not working, so we need to fix that, but it's also, I think, needs to be updated to respond to the, just the modern mm-hmm. world, right? But the other piece we're really trying to connect to is that heart piece. Mm-hmm. We know people uh, want to give toward mission, not necessarily toward whatever. Toward, mm-hmm. There's no sort of sense of duty. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you have some experience with tithing, which is a new concept mm-hmm. for for me. I've been trying it lately. It's a whole thing. But can you tell us a little bit about just how you see that working with the faith? Yeah, again, no, no, I think one of the things, too, let me back up before I answer that completely. We have always, as Catholics, we're almost apologetic when we ask for money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's no other group like us. We always, now again, if you can give, if you can't, whatever, we get to be very, very, like I said, apologetic, which I don't think we should be. Mm-hmm. We've done that time and time again. I have learned over the years not to be apologetic. When I need something, I ask for it, and I tell people what I'm looking for. And believe it or not, people give. Sure. I think people are willing to give if they know what they're giving to, number one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, I'm just getting ready to paint a church. I've only been there a year, and there was no money. I get there. We were borrowing from the diocese was subsidizing us. But Mm -hmm. I told the people my second week in there, we are not a welfare parish. Mm -hmm. I said, I've never been in a welfare parish and I never will be. I said, cough up. We put money here (laughs) in Salem and I expect you to give because I'm here to serve you, but I can't serve you if you're not going to be giving. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the collection has gone from 6,000 to about 12 to 14,000 on the weekends since I arrived in about six months time. Because we started this, this um, we we basically did a increased giving, mm-hmm. and we talked about tithing. So, so where I've been in the past, we were very much a tithing parish. Mm-hmm. Right now, we're getting there because okay. I've only been there. I told you a year, mm-hmm. and of course, with COVID, it was very difficult sure. to do too much. Yeah. So what I've learned though is, if you ask, you will get. If you let people know what you're looking for. I find that people can be very, very generous, but they, they don't want to give to something. They want to give to someone and they want to give if they're going to be able to see it. Mm-hmm. For instance, I'll give you a few examples. So I asked for all new vestments. I get them all in one weekend over, wow. I think it was like $5,000 worth of vestments. I asked for new stations of the cross. I get it all in two weekends yeah. for one of my churches. Okay, mm-hmm. So if people know what you're looking for, mm-hmm. they're very generous. So then getting back to tithing. So tithing is, is teaching people to give 10%. Mm-hmm. And I know that's a big sacrifice, but I've always first used my own example of life because I've been doing it since I'm ordained. Oh, really? I give 10% and beyond because mm-hmm. I've always find that you're blessed, not blessed in terms of getting that money back, but just in terms of doing that you can give and help other people. That's a tremendous oh. blessing in itself. Thanks for saying that because yeah. there is, uh, I have been, I've been kind of researching mm-hmm. tithing. I've been on this sort of little personal spiritual journey with it. I'm doing a 90 day tithing mm-hmm. challenge. And what I'm reading is people saying, oh, 
give 10% and then watch what happens. Amazing mm. things. And I'm like, it, it almost sounds superstitious. Yeah. Right. And I, I haven't found that I haven't found a bag of money on my front doorstep <laughs> since I started tithing, but I have changed. Mm-hmm. It's changed me. Right. And so thank you for saying that. It, mm-hmm. it is a blessing that comes back right. to you. Um, that I'm really I'm yeah. excited to learn about. That's so cool. That you're able to help other people in itself is itself the blessing. Yeah. I find. Yeah. On it, like my vision has expanded. I'm so, seeing more yeah. happening in the world. It's been a very cool experience for me. Scary. A little scary. You're a tither too, right? Yes, yeah. I've been tithing for a long time. Yeah. Uh, do yeah. you have can you relate to oh, absolutely, it? Absolutely, yeah. I mean you uh, I, I'm at the point now where uh you know even like last week I did something for somebody and they gave me like a little honorarium. And mm-hmm. so I immediately thought to myself, how am I going to give, how will I give this away? <laughs> you know, oh, to whom will so I give cool. it? Yeah. And so it's, it's kind of just part of my mm-hmm. DNA now. Mm-hmm. And certainly uh, to the church, I've, you know, it's more than 10%, but, but I find like, uh, you know, the, along the way that there's always someone who uh, is, is reaches out to help in some way. So, um, I probably, you know, would probably say that maybe it's not exactly 10% because, for example, I was out golfing with a couple of parishioners and they paid for my golf. Mm-hmm. So then do I think, okay, well, that's, that's 25 <laughs> bucks. So who do I give 250 to, you know? Right, right. But I mean, I'm not that, uh, I'm not that no, strict no. about yeah. it. But I am, um, but I do think about all the time about if I, if I receive something, how am I going to share it? That mm. is very cool. Does that have an effect on your faith, your personal faith? Absolutely. It just, um, I think that, you can't outdo God in generosity, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I think that um, you know I, I would invite people to you know take have a little have a little competition with them and watch. Calls <laughs> <Whoa. laughs> bluff. Yeah, and I'm telling that's where I think it, it doesn't necessarily come back with you know like bags right. of money on your porch. Right, it's not but, so far. But the sense of that, like the quiet sense that you've been able to help someone, or you know to know that um, yeah that that this money has been used to uh, save someone from a getting locked, you know, yeah. getting thrown out of their house or, mm-hmm. you know, they can have electricity for their children or food for their children. You know, I mean, to know that you're part of that is, I think, is enough for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you that's know. very cool. Yeah. Very cool. And the other thing, too, is I found that um, when you, you have to kind of watch your finances a little bit, but, but the, I find myself not being, not being extravagant and recognizing that, you know, I, I really don't mm-hmm. need everything I'm told I need. Oh, mm. my gosh. Yeah. I have been reading mm. this book about sort of about mm-hmm. this and in one of the stories she tells us getting a call from someone who has a refugee family in her in her city and they need sheets and pillows and and I said to my husband we could set up four refugee families from just what's in our house this is embarrassing what how much stuff yeah, we have we sure. need to like the more <coughs> I the deeper I get into this process the more I feel burdened by having too much stuff and I was not I'm not a hoarder by any means. I'm happy to get rid of stuff all the time. But it's amazing how the world mm. looks different now. It's very cool. Mm. I'm excited for this sort of journey we're about to take. We have this real dream of being just famous for mm-hmm. being a generous church because mm-hmm. we want to be a church where a millennial family can say at, at soccer, mm-hmm. my church set up a whole refugee family this mm-hmm. week just out of their pockets at mass or my church you know sent a delegation of people down to where the hurricanes yeah. were i think ah 
I just I'm excited about us being able to tell us that those stories about this parish, mm-hmm. I think, tithing, and hopefully the gifts we get in our grand annual sets us up to be able to do that in the in the months to come. I can't wait to see it. Mm-hmm. I think too, you know, if people can get up and witness, mm-hmm. one of the things that I've always done when we're doing a tithing campaign is having people get up, mm-hmm. give a witness of why they want to give. Because I think that makes a big difference. If they hear it only from the clergy again, it really doesn't move them to tears. But if they hear (laughs) a young couple, (laughs) really, if they hear a young couple get up or somebody who's been through a difficult time and yet they've been willing to sacrifice, that does move hearts. Yeah, that would move my heart. Mm -hmm. I think that's what we need to do more and more. I try to always have witnesses, not every week, obviously, but... Every four or five weeks, I'll have somebody get up and share about something that Christ has done in their lives. Mm, I love that. Yeah, and that makes a big difference because people tend to listen to that. Yeah. The other thing I've discovered in this journey is that I've been writing about it for our blog. I'm finding that there are lots of others out there who are already Mm -hmm. giving this way, which is really interesting. You'd look around the church, you'd not know. But the more we tell our stories, the more we get to kind of... Yeah. know what's happening out there among us. Mm-hmm. It's very cool. You know, something, Bob, you said too about, you know, somebody takes you out and they pay for your golf game. I think part of tithing too is also learning to receive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's where God can really gift us. Again, now that we're looking for things, mm-hmm. but I find in my life, you know, people want to give and they, I don't look for it, but part I think is the more you give of yourself, the more you can also receive from others. Oh, that's, that's a great thing. Cool. Yeah. 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 I'm going to be thinking about that this week. Yeah. These, this suit I'm wearing is a result of that, actually. I had a friend who came, who's done well in life, who looked at my cl- uh, my, my jacket and said, <laughs> do you wear that in public? <laughs> and so gave me the, actually gave me very generously, just gave me, sat down, wrote out a check and said, go buy some suits. <laughs> <laughs> Please, for the love of God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Get yourself together. Exactly, right? Oh, my gosh. So... Do you have any kind of last words, like things you wish you'd been able to say in your homily or or some message that you want to give to our parishioners or people who are... Well, I guess what I would say in the end is oh, it's, it's so easy today for us to get discouraged because we live in a time of great challenge and great change in the church with the whole sexual thing that's happened over the years with the clergy's sexual abuse Right here stuff. in Salem, yeah. Yeah, and I think all of that can really at times be overwhelming, discouraging, but I keep telling people, you know, you know, if you had a bad doctor, would you stop going to see a doctor and you'd find another one? Right. Now, I think it's the same thing with priests. You know, there's going to be good and bad priests. It's the history of the church. It's called life. Life's messy. So if, you, if you've if you been hurt in the past, don't equate your hurt with every priest in, in the church, in the Catholic church. There are a lot of good holy men out there, a lot of good lay people who lay down their lives for their parishes. I would tell people... Don't give up. I I keep saying there's so much hope in the church and there's so many good people. And, you know, it's not about structure. It's about living stones. Mm-hmm. And I think we use a lot of mortar in the past. We built these huge buildings and churches, which were beneficial at the time. But where is God calling us to at this point? You know, maybe a whole different, whole different uh, model of church that we're going to have to look at in the future. So I say, let's go with it and rejoice. Ah, thanks so much. Thank you. Yeah, that's great.
Thanks so much for being with us today. You're welcome. Thanks for sharing your story with us. Um, you can move. You can move in if you want. Oh. What's one Salem sure, or another? Right. Sure. You can just kind of come and hang out with us anytime. We're happy to have you, viewers, listeners. Thanks for joining us today. If you want more information about anything that we've talked about today, reach out. We're available. All of our staff is, are happy to talk to you or send an email, um, and especially to help you grow in your relationship with with Christ. That's what we're here for. So reach out. Know that you're in our prayers. Know that your ministry is in our prayers. And God bless. Great. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you, Margo. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you, Steve. Steve. Thank, you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> MQA Sunday is brought to you by Mary Queen the Apostles Parish, located in the historic city of Salem, Massachusetts. Your hosts are Margo Morin, pastor associate and Stephen Antonio, the director of family engagement. The show is recorded in Salem, Massachusetts and edited by the staff of MQOA. The beta lesson is written by Margot Moore. Find out more about Mary Queen the Apostles Parish on our website, mqoa.org.